available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network. We are the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles Jack! And I'm Ryan Abraham from USCFootball.com. Liner, going to try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC! We are the Podcast of Champions. Welcome, everyone, back to the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com, the USC site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And together we are the Podcast of Champions talking Pac-12 football. What a glorious first week it was for the Pac-12, Dave. What we're going to do here is recap all of the games from week one, and we're going to preview all of the games from week two, maybe answer a few of your questions along the way. It should be a very fun show. Lots to get to, all of our picks. The survival pool, which we included a lot more people than we talked about on the last show. Lots to get to. Do you have any questions for us? Pac12podcast.gmail.com. Our Twitter is at Pac12podcast. The website where you can find all of the old shows, all the old episodes, Pac12podcast.com. And then our Google Voice line, which you can text if you'd like, or you can leave us a voicemail if you like, is 424-532-0678. Toll free, as long as you don't have to pay for your calls. If you do have to pay for your calls, then there's some sort of toll. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually really glad, Ryan, that we agreed offline to just not count the week one picks in our pool. I thought wait, that was really wait, nice what? of both of us to do that. <laughs> I don't think, no, I already have them on the board, man. They're, they're counted. <laughs> I can, uh, <laughs> Yours yeah, were kind of poo. Yours weren't like exactly stellar. No. Uh, so I went seven, four, and one against the spread. Uh, that stupid Cal game. They let they let uh, North Carolina back in to to for we got a push on that. And you went five, six, and one. So uh, we had four games, right? Different. And uh, I think I got three of them, and you got one or something like that. Yeah, you went 3-1, and the one I won was like the most absurd line where you just have no idea it was the Oregon State-Ohio State game. I really felt bad. I mean, Oregon State had that covered like easy, and then Ohio State scrubs scored. We'll talk about that later, but yeah, that I didn't feel – I felt really bad about losing that one. Yeah, well, basically what it hinged on was the fact that like Ohio State's third string was better than Oregon State's <laughs> third string. Like basically what it was was – Ohio State's third string was more uh, so much better than uh, Oregon State's third string than the first string was over the f- other first string. Like they, they were just that was the big difference in the in the actual spread. Yeah. Just the quality of those third strings. So that was uh, so good start for me. Not the great start for you, but last year you you had a huge start on me, especially the first week I think, and uh, and I came back. So it's it's early, you know, but I feel pretty good it's, about those picks. We also did a survival pool. And if you remember on the show, this is every week we got to pick a team. You can't pick the same team twice. David went with USC. They won. He advances. I went with Arizona State. They won. I advanced. But we also sent out an email to other publishers in the Pac-12. They did not fare as well, Dave. Um, so our buddy Adam Munster Tiger, uh, he covers Colorado. Uh, he picked ASU, so he's safe. Dan Sorensen, though, who covers Utah, picked Arizona. <laughs> So, boom, you're gone week one of the survival pool. Uh, Jason Shear, who covers Arizona, picked Washington State, so he's safe. Chris Cartman, though, who covers Arizona State, 
he picked the Bruins that David covers, and uh, they did not win. Spoiler alert. So he is out. Chris Fetters covers Washington. He picked Arizona State as well. That was the most popular pick. Uh, he moves on. And then Angie Machado. We love Angie from Oregon State. She picked the Bruins. Bye-bye, Angie. You're gone. And then uh, Matt Prem, who covers Oregon, um, he picked uh, UCLA too. So you know what that means. Ooh, down the toilet with his pick. So four. We had nine people in the survival pool. Four of them are already gone, Dave. God, that is such a wet and disgusting flushing sound effect. <laughs> like, Sorry. it just doesn't sound right. It's like one of those old, like, flushers that, you know, it starts as, like, just kind of a light whirlpool and it takes a really long time to flush. <laughs> That's what it sounded like. I need to update that. Like, I don't really have a lot of cool sounds. I need to do get No, no, that was beautiful. I don't want you to ever change that sound. Um <laughs> I think it, it really encapsulates, you know, three people picking UCLA and getting knocked out of the survival pool. Um, it goes to the theory, though, that you just you, you pick the surest thing because random stuff happens, especially week one. Our buddy Kyle Bonagoro said that um, I was picking to try to go undefeated and you were picking to stay alive. So yeah. I was being strategic where I want to get Arizona State out of the way. Now, having watching Arizona State play, that probably was a bad pick because they could probably beat some other teams that are good. Um, but you're trying to pick a team that's usually not that good, but you expect them to win. And, you know, obviously people did that with Arizona and UCLA and that did not work out. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I, I was, I was, I was smarter about it. Yeah. So you you survived. We both survived. Yeah. But you now have like a top team that's out, but who knows? I might have a top team that's out too. Arizona state might be, I think, I think you picked the better team. Uh, we'll see, but no, there (laughs) we'll see when our power rankings, like if, you have a team that might be lower in the power rankings gone off the board. So that's that would be advantage to you. True, um, true, true, true. And, okay, so that was our picks. That's a survival pool. I think we have to jump in now, Dave, to our... Pac-12 Roundup. Yes. <laughs> it's back. Football. We had football on Thursday. We had football on Friday. Crap loads of football on Saturday. It's, it's the best time of the year, Dave. It's so fantastic. It's great. Um, I have lost so many hours of sleep. Just like taking everyone behind the curtain, as I like to do. It is 11.35 p.m. East Coast time <laughs> as we are recording this. Yeah. I am, and this is on Sunday night, so I've been up till about 2 in the morning Tuesday, uh, Saturday. I was up till about 1 a.m. on Friday, 1 a.m. Thursday, just footballing it up but it's been a fun and exhausting weekend yeah so normally we're not going to do sunday shows we're going to do monday or tuesday mostly i think tuesday but there'll be a couple mondays in september so we're going to try to keep it regular mostly regular probably tuesday there's just a bunch of stuff going on this week so we're recording sunday night dave thank you so much for staying up late uh because of that though we're not having the 24 7 power rankings because those haven't been compiled yet um, so I gave Dave mine. Dave had completely different ones and decided just go with Dave. Screw it. Um, I, I think they make sense. Uh, you know, I'm, some of the mine were, might have been projecting a little bit, but I, I think I, I like Dave's rankings where they are. So we're going to count down uh, from 12 up to one. And this is not a team I had in the 12 spot, but Dave, you had UCLA Bruins. Look, it had to be done. Um, all right. So UCLA lost to Cincinnati. UCLA was, uh, they were 14 and a half point favorites. I think by the time the game came around, they lost 26, 17. Um, 
the big takeaway from the game from a just kind of macro look at UCLA standpoint is what the hell was that offense? <laughs> um, it looked nothing like um, anything Chip Kelly did at Oregon. Um, it vaguely resembled what he did in the NFL. It kind of looked like every single quote unquote multiple op- offense that you see in college football these days that is 100% not a differentiator from anybody else. Um, they, you know, and you don't want to pin all of it on scheme. That was just probably the more, the most WTF of anything. Um, they had some quarterback issues. Wilton Spate started the game. Then he uh, got hit in the back and he, you know, he, he lost most of last year at Michigan because of a back injury, he broke some vertebrae. So I think he was being cautious, but he got a contusion on his back, it sounds like. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll see what that does. But that mo- that that um, knocked him out of the game. And then they brought in true freshman Dorian Thompson Robinson, who looked very much like a green true freshman who'd only played, you know, only started one year of high school ball, um, made a couple of plays. But UCLA's receivers, once again, dropped some balls. Um, Dorian Thompson Robinson only really has one pace on his ball at this point, which is pure fastball. Uh, um, so those that are probably, always fun, you know? Yeah. Like that those probably, dump off pass, you like rocketed his feet, you know? <laughs> yeah. He uh, he rocketed one. Like, they were, they were on the money. Like, they were well-thrown balls. It was just, um, there were two that just completely glanced right off the receiver's hands. Um, so the offense just looked rough. They weren't running really at tempo at all. It was pass heavy, which was nothing that Chip Kelly did at Oregon. Um, so I think we're all kind of in wait and see mode on what exactly that's going to look like as it evolves. And, you know, if if Wilton Spate comes back, it'll probably look more like what we just saw. If Dorian Thompson Robinson, though, ends up being the starter going forward, I mean, I, I imagine they're going to try to. Uh, tailor things a little bit more to his skill set but that'll be interesting uh defensively you see his defense looks uh better than last year um not great um i think inside linebackers a real sore spot but um they're actually a little bit aggressive now um getting after the quarterback uh the outside linebackers are looked really good uh the defensive line when i rewatched the game i didn't they actually didn't struggle as much as I thought the interior of the defensive line actually did pretty well with a lot of true freshman manning spots. Uh, but inside linebacker was atrocious. Uh, nobody playing at that spot did anything good. Um, so that's going to be, I, that's going to be an issue all year. I don't know if they have the bodies even in the depth to try out different combinations. Um, there were a bunch of guys out for this game at that spot. So maybe, um, as guys like Javari Anderson and uh, Bo Calvert and Lenny Toiloa come back, they might be able to, you know, give them something a little bit more. But um, that was a bit of a struggle spot. But they lost to a team that was four and eight last year at home. Um, Cincinnati's probably going to be a little bit better than they were last year. I don't think they're going to be like a ten win team. So um, definitely not a good first loss for Chip Kelly. This was probably the most winnable game, at least from a preseason look at the schedule um for ucla so that's not a great sign losing the most winnable game by nine points at home um finding finding six wins on the schedule is a near impossibility at this point so i think if if ucla does end up making a bowl game this year it will be because they've improved massively yeah, you, you kind of expect that. You expect some improvement. Didn't expect the loss. Um, we both ended up getting this one right, by the way. It was a 15-point spread. We both took Cincinnati. Uh, obviously, we covered since Cincinnati won the game. Um, 
kind of concerning for me, 31 rushes, 144 yards, but 74 of those came on one play. Uh, and then at the end of the game, that penalty, like you UCLA would have had a chance, but the penalty allowed Cincinnati to go for the you know game-winning touchdown instead of kicking a field goal, where UCLA would have had a shot. I don't know if, what you thought about that play, but I mean, obviously it doesn't come down to one play, but it was kind of a, you know, kind of bad moment at the end where you still at least had a shot and then the, all shots were gone. Yeah, I, I was, that was, that was one of those things that I think for a lot of, um, I saw this a lot in my Twitter feed and, you know, on our message board where that was the piece that probably felt the most like every single UCLA team that anybody has ever seen. Um, just making a boneheaded penalty at the wrong time. Um, 12 men on the field, that's usually a coaching issue. Um, that's, you know, the special teams coach or whoever not getting the right personnel on the field. Um, it's first game, so you don't want to be too, you know, making too many snap judgments about it. But obviously that's not what you expect from a Chip Kelly coach team making those kind of mental errors. So, um, yeah, that was bad. Um, that pretty much iced the game. Um, there were a couple of decisions that I thought people have been nitpicking that I, I didn't mind at all. Um, Chip Kelly did go for uh, go for it on fourth down twice, once on fourth and four from right around midfield, and then once pretty late in the game with about six minutes to go on, I think UCLA's own 36, I want to say. Might have been even closer to the goal line um, on fourth and one. Um, both I thought were good calls mathematically. Um, you could make it case that the fourth and one was a shaky decision because Dorian Thompson Robinson didn't look great at that point in the game but I liked the aggression um, I just think it was the, the play calls I think you could have some nitpicks with they elected to pass on both downs and uh, that, <laughs> that just all of that was so weird they threw the ball I think it was on designed plays they threw the ball about 65% of the time which is nothing like anything anybody has ever seen from a Chip Kelly college offense and electing to pass on two fourth downs, just it, it all kind of looked just kind of like bizarro world, Chip Kelly, no real tempo, much more pass heavy, um, you know, not really utilizing the quarterback run really at all. Um, so that was all uh, kind of strange. I think kind of strange for a lot of uh, UCLA fans as well. Yeah. All right. We'll, we'll see what uh, Chip Kelly's going to do. It, you know, it gets a little easier trip to Oklahoma next week. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So Dave had <laughs> the Bruins 12. I did not, uh, but makes sense. I mean, I, I get the logic there. I could understand. There's it's the first week. So there's a lot of what you think is power or whatever. Uh, there's a lot of the debate. If you, you think our rankings suck, let us know, but especially let Dave know. Cause it's mostly his, um, <laughs> Let's go on. So our number 11 team, Arizona Wildcats. Yeah. So this was probably an order of disappointment, right? Like in terms of, you know, the, the result as compared to maybe the spread or a variety of different yeah, factors. Like but they were favored to win and didn't win and didn't look good. Then you, you, you suffered in our rankings. Yeah. So Arizona lost to BYU 28, 23 at home. Um, this game was marked, I think, mostly by kind of in the same vein as the UCLA offense. What the hell was Arizona trying to do offensively? Um, Khalil Tate ran the ball just eight times for 14 total yards. Um, they seemed to be trying to turn him into more of a passer, which I get to an extent because teams started to figure him out a little bit more in the final three games of last year. But it really didn't seem like there was anywhere near enough designed running opportunities for him. Um, I didn't count more than really like a 
handful or maybe a couple more than a handful zone reads. Um, not a whole lot of those designed kind of on the move, like inverted veer type runs that he was doing a little bit of last year. There was just none of that stuff um, that we kind of saw him just make breakaway plays for 80 yards last year. And that just seems like such a weird choice because, I mean, he's he's a competent passer. I don't think he gets enough credit for what he's able to do downfield. Um, but if you're just going to make him a pocket thrower, he's not I mean, he's not even really top third in the Pac-12 as just a pure thrower. The benefit of having Khalil Tate is that, you know, on, you know, whatever, 15% of plays, you can just have him take off and (laughs) and see what happens. Um, And they didn't really do that a whole lot. Right. So that was... That was disappointing on the offensive end, and then the defense sucked too. Yeah, and the defense was supposed to be a little bit better, and this was not a great BYU offense. So I was in kind of, you know, this was just after the UCLA game, so I was already kind of in the what what happened to Chip Kelly? How did Bizarro NFL Chip Kelly arrive here? And then I watched that, and I'm like, wait, what the hell is this either? Yeah, and we both got this wrong. We both thought Arizona would cover the eleven and a half. Uh, they obviously lost the game. Did not. Um, yeah, w- when Tim Tebow was like leading the the nation in passing efficiency, was it because he was the best passer? No, it was because you if he could run, he, you have to protect against him running. And if you're just going to let him sit back and be a pocket passer, he's not going to be anywhere near as efficient. But if you have to respect that he could take off and run over you, and that's the same thing with Khalil Tate. And if if you remember, you know, this is before your time, but Michael Jordan playing in. Uh, at North Carolina, people used to say the only player, the only person that could keep Michael Jordan under 25 points was Dean Smith, his coach, because he wouldn't let him do. And the only thing that could bottle up Khalil Tate was apparently Noel Mazzoni. You know, like that's the only thing yeah. that like limited him. But this was like, you know, I want to be entertained watching Arizona. That's just what we became accustomed to. This was low scoring, boring. This was very BYU-y. It was not Arizona. You know, you wanted that a little bit more. And then, you know, BYU just really took over in the second half. They were market, marching down the field. Um, I don't know. They cut the lead to, to seven early in the fourth, but then they just started BYUing it again. They were grinding them down. Uh, so I don't know. It just, it seemed like BYU was just pushing Arizona around. They bullied them. And, uh, you know, Khalil Tate, who started off six for six, he went 11 for 28 uh, afterwards. So it just, you know, this is a team, if if Khalil Tate is special, you thought they could do great things. If T- Khalil Tate is nowhere near even good, and he just wasn't, you know, you didn't get really good quarterback play in this game, Arizona can't be that good, and, and that's what they look like. Yeah, they've got the one player who's like the true differentiator, and if he's just average, even, then they're not going to be that good. Um, I wouldn't, uh, the the one thing I would say is I wouldn't overcorrect on this because BYU does have, when they're good, and they might be better this year, yeah, they look they look they better. competent. Um, Which is bad for the Pac-12 because they play like I know. Part, yeah. When But when they're good, they can ugly up games really easily. They're like uh, poor man Stanford sometimes with the way they can, because they've just got a lot of big bodies. They can just lean on you. They're a bunch of grown men. It's just... You know that 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 can that can ugly up a lot of games. And Noel Mazzoni actually um, <laughs> has had a history of against like those kind of big physical teams. He calls some weird ass games, and he did that at UCLA. I know he did it at ASU. Um, I think he's a pretty pretty good offensive coordinator when you're going against um, like kind of 
what you think of as like a typical college team, somebody who's going to be a nickel a lot and somebody who's, you know, they, they don't necessarily have a ton of size and strength up front, but it seems like he just gets a little squirrely when he's dealing with a big physical team. Really struggled with Stanford over the years, struggled with Utah over the years, and struggled with BYU the couple of times they played. So I, I, I think that might be playing it. I'm just trying to give Arizona fans a little bit of hope here. Yeah. Um, because it's week I think one. You know, it is the, week one. They yeah, can look completely and, different next week. Who knows? Right. And and goodish BYU can make a lot of teams look a lot worse than they actually are. So, right. um, you know, not the jury's not – I mean, the uh, you know, the, the ruling isn't in on Khalil Tate's 2018 campaign. He could very well – pop out for you know 200 yards rushing next week it's just that was that was not the offensive showing i was expecting at all no i'm watching on my ipad and you know my easy chair at home after the game I'm like i want to see something exciting that just was not it wasn't worth to turn my head sideways to go look at this thing exactly uh, yeah so okay so our number 10 team hasn't been this high maybe since we started the podcast oregon state beavers Okay, and this might seem bizarre because Oregon State didn't cover. They lost by 46 points, actually, on the road at Ohio State. But they were not horrific in this game, at least offensively. Um, You know, watching this one, they lost their starting quarterback in, like, the opening minutes, Jake Luton. Uh, Connor Blount, Blunt, you never know what those B-L-O-U-N-T's, and I always have the sound off on these games. I'm going to go Blount, right? Let's I just do so. it. Yeah, games. let's do that. Yeah. Um, he came in, and he looked completely poised and confident. They looked like they had a plan offensively. They ran the ball really well. Artavis Pierce looked like a friggin' Heisman candidate with his 11 carries for 168 yards. Um, Jamar Jefferson made some nice plays. They ran the ball pretty damn well on what was expected to be an Ohio State, like a, a really good Ohio State defense. Um, they averaged five yards per carry. Um, you know, that offense looked surprisingly good, and that is, I would not have expected that in a million years because um, I had concerns about that Jonathan Smith offense, but they they looked competent offensively. Now, defensively, um, not good. Um, and you know, that was probably where the talent differential showed the most. I think Oregon state has a couple of playmakers offensively, but on defense it is rough. Um, and Ohio State's speed just completely took over there. And it was, that was ugly from basically the opening snap, but, um, they hung in there for a while in this one. It, it finished 77 31, but it was 56 28. Like there were, there were moments where it was like, Oh, well, Ohio state has to keep their starters in here for a little bit longer. Um, and all things considered, I think there was, there was some hope to take from this game for Oregon state. And that's a weird thing to say about a 46 point loss, but I don't know. I think Oregon state wins a game or two in conference this year. And, and I would not have said that a week ago. Yeah. Um, this, and this was very disappointing to see cause it kind of went the way I thought. I thought Oregon state would have a little bit of success. I thought Ohio state would bring in some, you know, scrubs and they did, but the scrubs, scored a crap little points. <laughs> like, what's going on here? Uh, a minute into the third quarter, it was like, it was a closer, I forget what it was, but um, I was I was watching on my iPad because I was in the press box and I look up, well, crap, or like Ohio State just scored. How did that, like in less than a minute? And then then Oregon State scored. In the first four minutes of the, the second half, there was a 75-yard touchdown, there was an 80-yard touchdown, and an 78-yard touchdown. I mean, there was fireworks in this game. There was excitement. Um, but to, 39 seemed very reasonable. And then uh, Ohio State just kind of, 
uh, put it away. But they 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 scored three touchdowns in the fourth quarter, uh, which normally when you start putting the backups in, it's just kind of like running out the clock and things like that. But they 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 did a lot, Dave. Seven hundred twenty one yards, thirty five first downs. They completed uh, converted eighty percent of their third downs. Um, that's that's kind of crazy. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, they sacked Blount uh, uh, five times in the first half. Uh, it's I don't know. It was, uh, but you know, uh, was it Artavis Pierce? Uh, he had uh, an eighty-yard touchdown. He had a seventy-eight-yard touchdown. Um, so that was pretty cool. Oregon State did have you know three hundred ninety-two yards. Um, and Pierce ended up uh, 11 rushes for 168 yards and two touchdowns. So they showed some fight. They really did, but there were still a lot of mistakes. I get putting them up at 10. They, they, look, <laughs> they look better than UCLA or Arizona did in their games. Will, I think UCLA and Arizona will both be better, but even giving up 77 points, they, they, they did show some fight. And we, uh, yeah. oh yeah, so you got this one right and I got this one wrong. The 39-point spread. Yeah, I was giving them credit mostly for me being right in the spread. So that's why they end up at <laughs> I really should have listened to you on these rankings then, huh? Yeah, probably not. Probably nice. not. But, I mean, it's never a good idea to listen to me on pretty much anything. Uh, I, I just can't argue with that. Uh, let's see. Okay. <laughs> so we have our, our number nine team, which, you know, maybe this is a little low. California Golden Bears. <laughs> Yeah, so Cal um, didn't cover. They they pushed, but they beat uh, North Carolina 24-17 at home. This one was interesting because it was a shutout um, till end of the third quarter, I want to say. Um, it was 17-0, um, and then North Carolina you know, put up kind of some – it was sort of garbage-timey um, points. It wasn't quite garbage time just because Cal didn't score a whole lot, but um, this was uh, – Cal kind of controlled this one the whole way through. I think North Carolina, it was something crazy. They had about 39 yards of offense in the first half or something insane like that. Uh, This Cal defense looked um, really stout. North Carolina also looked really inept um, offensively. But Cal's defense, um, I, I think in year two now, you know, we were talked about it last year where it was more dangerous than you would think just looking at the statistics. I think it's now just kind of in the they're pretty good, you know, maybe not super elite, but I think they're pretty good. Um, and they shut down this North Carolina offense for most of this game. Um, you know, offensively, I think Cal's um, still a little bit of a struggle session. Um, they tried a bunch of quarterbacks in this game. Chase Garbers and Ross Bowers both played um, and then running the ball. They were not. um yeah, not super efficient. Patrick Laird did not have one of his most productive games, 95 yards, but on 29 carries, um, which isn't, you know, necessarily the the best uh, average rush of 3.3 on that many carries. Um, but they did enough. Um, and I think defensively, they're going to that, that's going to be able to keep them in a lot of games this year. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. I didn't get to really watch um, much of this. So I could ch- check the highlights and stuff afterwards. I don't know how much you watched. Uh, Cal rotated three quarterbacks and still just had 119 passing yards. That seems like a little strange uh, going into it. This should have been a cover, so I'm kind of upset that we pushed it. Maybe that's why Dave put him down at uh, number nine. The Cal defense got four interceptions, and they only gave up three points through three quarters, and somehow Cal didn't (laughs) cover the seven-point spread. Uh, Both teams were pretty bad on third down, 24%, four of 17 
Um, North Carolina had 13 penalties for 124 yards, and Cal just had five for 35. So more good discipline. I think we've seen that last year from Justin Wilcox's team, so that's good. I think it's a sign of a well-coached team. Uh, the quarterback stuff, that maybe wasn't all that well-coached. I want to get your thoughts on that. But uh, they only gave up two plays too, over uh, two plays over 20 yards in this game. So uh, love the way Tim DeRuiter's got this Cal defense playing. You Like you said, North Carolina, North Carolina made a bunch of mistakes. They didn't look that great. Uh, but Cal should have been able to put up uh, a little bit more offense, I think, than what they did. Yeah, the quarterback situation is weird. Um, it seems like it was a more or less. I I couldn't tell if it was a planned rotation. I think it was, um, but rotating three quarterbacks in. I mean, I'm not I'm not a purist when it comes to that. I think if you've got some you know guys who do different things, you know that's worked in the past. Like going to your Tim Tebow analogy, his first year when he was there with Chris Leak and they rotated them kind of depending on what sort of situation it was. That worked, obviously. Alabama's doing it now with Tua Tagovailoa and uh, Jalen Hurts. But that's always, you know, kind of elite teams doing different things. Like they want to, you know, have a different look out of different situations. And I don't know how different the looks are here. I guess Chase Garber's provided them a run element. I mean, he had 10 carries for 39 yards. So that's that's something. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think it would probably behoove them to just settle on a starter. But We'll see. Maybe they have a better plan here than, you know, us non-football coaches do. We'll see. Yeah. But uh, Cal, I think if you're a Cal fan, you know, 11 and 0. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> 12 and 0 is alive, 12 baby. 11 and 0. Yeah. Like, um, cool. All right. So our that was our number nine team, right? Our number uh, eight team is Colorado Buffalo. So off uh, just from the jump, this is my preseason prediction that looks the worst right now, I think, because Colorado, um, they suddenly look like a real, real team again. Um, that offense was awesome against Colorado State. They won 45-13, um, just blew them right out of the water, um, played a lot of tempo on offense. Steven Montez was... Um, two years ago, Steven Montez, not last year, Steven Montez averaged 13 and a half yards per attempt. Wow. Um, missed only three passes. He was 22 of 25 with four touchdowns. Um, LaVisca Chenault, I, I can't pronounce any, I need to start listening to the games with the sound on because I always just read the stupid names. Um, I'm probably butchering that, but he was a stud, just an absolute stud. So fast, so, so fast, um, caught 11 balls for 211 yards. Um, just he, he's going to be such a star in this league. Um, but that was, I mean, the offense was just incredible. And then defensively, they were good. Um, this is a Colorado state offense that yes, it was a bad Hawaii defense, um, last week, but they, they put up some numbers, um, somewhat in garbage time. But this was still a good showing to hold Colorado State to 13 points. You know, KJ Carr Samuels threw five touchdowns the previous week. He threw one in this game, averaged just 5.3 yards per attempt. Um, so this was a great showing for Colorado. Um, I think the expectations for that team this year have to be raised a little bit um, yeah. when you're putting up those kind of points and holding the team to that few. I mean, this is a game where they were favored by what, seven, seven and a half, I think, maybe by the time game time came around and they won by 32. That's. Yeah. 
That's incredible. We had the line at six, and uh, we both took Colorado, so we both got this one uh, right. And uh, yeah, I think it's LaVisca Chenault. I believe so. But we, if you remember the preview show or when I talked about the spring showcase, he was someone they featured. So that's how, when you watch those, hey, it's cool. Like This was a guy that they featured, and uh, he came through. Very high tempo. It was. It just looked like Steven Montez was much more comfortable out there. This is the most points they've scored on Colorado State since 1996. He completed his first 12 passes, which tied Joel Klatt's record, school record. So, you know, Joel Klatt's blowing up now. Are you a Joel Klatt fan or no? You usually have a pretty strong Yeah, opinion. no, I, I like Joel a lot. I yeah. like his uh, his analysis is generally pretty good. Yeah, so he's on the, the number one team with Fox right now with uh, Gus Johnson. Um, so 596 yards of offense. Not bad for Colorado. And then uh, I think I I think I voted him. I don't remember. Nate Landman, he's the linebacker for Colorado. He had 16 tackles and interceptions, so pretty good day for him. But, uh, yeah, I mean, overall, great, great effort by the Buffs. Uh, you could argue they should be – I think I might have had Colorado even a little higher than Dave did. But uh, coming at number eight for us, not too bad. A, a big jump from where we thought. Remember, Colorado only finished his first or sixth, so – if they look this good, they're they're winning the South. Yeah, the reason I had them a little bit lower is just because I don't know exactly how awful Colorado State is yet. I'm pretty sure they're bad, but I don't know how bad. Because um, Hawaii, they were only even in that game because Hawaii went into a prevent. Otherwise, Colorado State probably would have been blown out just as much by Hawaii. But that said, Hawaii actually looks okay. So um, I, I just don't know yet what to make of Colorado State. I think some of the teams that other te- that uh teams higher ranked beat were maybe a little bit better, but we'll see. Um, I think everyone kind of clustered in the middle in this ranking could move very quickly. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, okay, so that would be, we're going to get to number seven. Washington State Cougars. All right, so Washington State um, basically told me to go F myself. Um, beat Wyoming uh, 41-19 in a game where I picked them to lose. So again, I'm always wrong, but just keep that in mind. I they was wrong on this by, one too. I, I I took Wyoming also, so we were both wrong. Yes, yes, but you didn't. I don't think you actively said they. No, were I didn't say they were going to lose. Them. I, yeah. I think you just said they would cover the one and a half. Um, so <laughs> which basically uh, going to lose? Yeah, basically the same thing. Um, but uh, Washington State, um, they were down in this game. It was actually I want to say sixteen to three at one, sixteen to thirteen at one point, um, and then. Washington State just turned off the faucet, actually, defensively. Um, You know, a lot of people were expecting that Washington State would take a step back defensively this year, losing their coordinator. Um, But they shut down Wyoming, um, especially in the second half, um, just completely uh, took the run game away. Um, Wyoming only had 3.6 yards per carry in this game. And the pass game, they were able to generate basically nothing. And then this Wyoming defense actually looked pretty good in week one. And Washington State, with a new quarterback um, running that system, Gardner Minshew, um, looked like an air raid. You know, they they, they put up a ton of pass yards, um, 319 on 57 attempts, um, ran the ball enough, um, didn't do a whole lot on the ground, but they did enough offensively, and the defense really kind of carried them. Um, and it was kind of the same formula they had last year when Luke Falk was the quarterback, but 
it looks like Washington State of a year ago, and that's better than a lot of people were expecting Washington State to be this year. So um, I think they're another team that's kind of rising in estimation um, at this point. Yeah, I had to sit next to Kyle Bonagora at the uh, press conference afterwards, and we were kind of talking about this. Like He's like, oh, yeah, I picked Wyoming to cover, and he's like, yeah, so you basically picked them to lose. I'm like, yeah, I picked them to lose. But um, I mean, I didn't do that, but I picked them to cover. So they, they played a lot better. I wasn't sure what to expect. Uh, there were some up and downs in this game early, but then Washington State pulled away. Uh, you know, Gardner Minshew, he ended up getting the start. They didn't really announce that, right? Um, and But he said he knew a couple of weeks ago. So he knew what was going on, but uh, Mike Leach wasn't really saying anything. He has, you know, 319 yards, 38 of 57. So it wasn't eased into <laughs> the role yeah your first get come out and throw 57 passes but i think leach you know liked them because of the experience he said that in the press conference afterwards um wyoming was actually up in this one 16 to 13 and a half washington state started fast wyoming took the lead and then uh you know just kind of boat raced them uh 13 penalties 109 yards for wyoming and, and washington state had 10 for 75 so a lot of flags in this one and uh third downs no one was really good three of 14 for washington state three of 13 for wyoming and then the one weird thing, the formation that was on the sideline, did you see that one, Dave, where the slot receiver is on the, the left hash and he's the center basically, but they set up the, the entire offensive line to the left of the left hash. So basically right at the sideline, it looks like you have the whole formation there where the center and the quarterback and everything, but the ball can't be over there. The ball's at the left hash and that's where... Uh, like the slot receiver is there, like he has to snap it. So he snapped it to the left and they ran, I don't know, it was like run a zone read or something, whatever. But did you see that? I mean, that was insane. Yeah, you, you'll see that occasionally. A few teams do certain weird stuff like that with their offensive lines where they'll, you know, suddenly have a bunch of, like they'll they'll flex out like two or three offensive linemen to one side or the other. I don't know. I think it's because of like the whole formation though to the left of the hash. Like, I don't know if I've seen that before. <laughs> Like, I don't think I've seen that specifically, but <laughs> it's it's like they all just get bored. Yeah. You know, they're like, whatever, let's stop running our offense. Let's just do something fun here. And I like that. I respect it. I think it's great. But, uh, you know, we'll see. I don't think we're going to get a great test. We'll talk about the games coming up for Washington State um, until they, you know, get into conference play. But it was uh, didn't know what to expect. Putting up 41 points, uh, winning convincingly, I think that's a good that's a good sign. There was a lot of turmoil, a lot of stuff going on. You just don't know what to expect, and uh, that's that's about as good of an outcome as you could you could ask for. Absolutely. Number six, we have Utah Utes. Yeah, speaking of kind of weird slow starts to this one, um, Utah ultimately beat Weber State 41 to 10, but Weber State was leading this game in the first quarter, 10 to 7. Um, <laughs> They, uh, they uh, Utah came out and offensively Tyler Huntley threw a pick on the first series. Um, and I think Weber State was actually up 10 nothing at one point in the first quarter. If yeah, I remember it was 10 correctly, it was 10 nothing. Yeah, it was 10 nothing. Um, and then uh, Weber Utah, State or Weber State as you like to call them, whatever we call them, <laughs> Weber, Weber, Weber seems more American, and that's what we are yeah. on this podcast. We are damned Americans. Um, so Weber State, uh, they they were, you know, and this is, again, to go back to our preview, this is a good FCS school. Um, so it was kind of understandable that Utah would, you know, they'd have to adjust a little bit early to what they were doing. Um, they just looked kind of rough offensively early. But then um, Utah completely shut them down 
um, defensively over the rest of the game, honestly, from the very beginning, because it was the interception that set him up um, for for the early scoring. But um, Weber State had 59 total yards in this game. Wait, uh, uh, 259 yards? Is that what you said? No, 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 no. Uh, 50, 59 total yards. And again, this is a good-ish FCS school. Uh, I think like, they're ranked number eight or something in the FCS. So, yeah. Yeah. So the Utah defense, after a year where it looked, eh, you know, still pretty good, but not the super elite unit that we – or not super elite, but the very good unit that we'd grown accustomed to uh, – Early returns or that it's back to being really, really, really good. Yeah. Um, and after that early stretch, uh, the offense settled down. Uh, Tyler Huntley looked a lot better um, over the final three quarters than he did in the first quarter. Um, you know, I think he finished with, yeah, he was like 24 of 39 with four touchdowns, 253 yards. So not a great day for him, uh, but still fine. And then Zach Moss was everything that people have been hyping him up to be all offseason. Um, you know, 16 carries for 150 yards. That's almost a clean 10 yards per carry. Yeah. Uh, I think I think anybody will take that um, and a touchdown. So uh, weirdly, Utah kind of screwed up some special teams plays in this one. Oh. Um, and we were expecting them to, you know, be the the fantastic unit they always are. And I'm sure they will be throughout the year. But that was kind of a fun little note for this one. Uh, but huge, nice win. Um, they impressed me. Um, they were one of the more impressive teams in week one. It's just quality of the opponent makes it kind of difficult to rank them too much higher. Yeah, agree 100%. That's why if this was a better opponent, but it's good FCS school and they were dominant. Um, okay, so the really weird start. I think all the Pac-12 games just started off weird. It just If you like look, watch the first you know quarter and you expected the whole game to go like that, none of them did. Um, Weaver State called timeout like on the first play. Before they even ran a play, and then they call another timeout. So they, they used two timeouts in the first minute of the game, and then, like you mentioned, Utah fumbled a punt. They got him off the punt where it was a little confusing with the blocker, um, and that set up a Weber State uh, field goal. And then you know Tyler Huntley gets the ball and nearly throws a pick six, but it gets Weber State down to like the two, and they punt it. So they're up ten nothing, but Utah was dominating the stat sheet. Um, they fumbled the punt. They got a field goal blocked early. Uh, that was crazy, but then they, they bounced back, Dave, they did, they ran a fake punt that worked. They blocked a, a field goal later on. So they kind of got it back a little bit, but there were some really bad special teams play to start, which you never see that from, uh, Utah. This was a game that Utah was dominating after the 10, nothing start. And they turned the ball over four times. So if they didn't turn the ball over four times and they didn't force any turnovers, as dominant as the defense was, they didn't force any. And that's something Kyle Whittingham was really kind of harping on after the game, it could have been a lot different to, for the turnover battle to be that uh, lopsided and, and, you know, still winning 41, 10. It's kind of crazy. I actually wrote, I wrote 41, zero on my score sheet. It was 41, 10. They were down 10, nothing, you know, uh, but uh, Britton Covey was back from Chile from uh, that mission. Yep. He looked really active. He was good. Watch chase Hansen. He moved from defensive back to linebacker. Uh, he was everywhere. Pressure the quarterback. He was doing a lot of cool stuff. Uh, I thought Huntley threw four touchdowns. He was pretty good. It was okay. It wasn't great. Yeah, the interception wasn't very good, but whatever. I mean, he, he had a pretty good day. They had 587 yards to 59, like you said, or whatever. 33 pay, plays for Weber State went for zero or negative yards. And the first down deficiency, 25 first downs for Utah, three 
Kyle Whittingham's 13 and one in openers at Utah. And uh, like I said, wasn't very happy with the, the takeaway situation or how special teams played. So there's, this was good for Utah. They can improve on a lot of things and they still get a, a dominant win. And I picked the score, the, the differential exactly. Cause we didn't have a line at this, at the time. So I said 31 points and they won by 31. And the funniest thing was, is I predicted 24 and the line eventually opened at like 23 and a half. So you so like nailed the line. I nailed the line and you nailed the actual result, which sounds like right. <laughs> that sounds that sounds dead on. Um, yeah, and I would say um, the one note from this one is Tyler Huntley looked like he has a lot of room to improve. Yeah, a, a lot of timing issues with the receivers. Just it seemed like he was a little off on his downfield throws to them. Um, but that receiver group looks talented. Um, and yeah, I think people as were like soon- saying that they they were going to be bad without Carrington and stuff. But no, I mean it looks like he's got guys to throw to. I like Solomon Enos a lot. Um, Mariner's good. Britton Covey getting him back. As, he's kind of that perfect slot receiver. Um, I, I There's a lot to like about that group, and I think once Huntley gets his timing down with them, because um, it is a little bit of a new group, um, they I, I would watch out for Utah. Um, they're, uh, this, this South is a little bit different than what we were expecting it to be. I think there's three content, maybe four contenders, um, and at least two of them are not teams that we thought they would be, but um, Utah's definitely in that mix. Yeah. Covey was a um, freshman All-American in 2015, if you remember. So yep. he uh, he looked pretty good. All right. Let's, uh, so they, they definitely have a lot of room to improve, I mean, to, to grow. And uh, if they play a non-FCS school, we'll see. Um, number five we have. Oregon Ducks. All right, so this game was on more or less opposite the UCLA game. So I tried to f- toggle between as much as possible. Kind of same sort of deal as basically every other Pac-12 school um, in, in this week one. They started pretty slow. Uh, early on, it was, I think Bowling Green was up 10-7 early on. Ten, uh, I think 10 nothing. They were 10 nothing. 10 nothing as yeah. well. Yeah, like Weber State. Um, and it, it was looking a little bit rough for Oregon, uh, but Justin Herbert um, kind of poured it on. Um, the defense settled down after an initial bit of a struggle session. Uh, they finished actually holding uh, Bowling Green to 2.7 yards per rush, um, ended up covering, which did Yay. not look like that was going to happen. Um, I, I they, picked Oregon to cover. You did not, so that was a good one, one for me. Yeah. Oregon won 58-24, and Bowling Green – Again, going back to our previews, Bowling Green is not expected to be a joke group of five school this year. They're actually going to, you know, probably contend for a bowl. So to beat that team by 34 points, even at home, even, you know, power five versus a a group of five, that's pretty cool. That's pretty big. Um, So even with the kind of lumps Oregon took early in this game, uh, that was impressive. Um, They ran the ball pretty well. Um, No kind of really featured back i would say right. um that, they that's the ran, weird part that, like they averaged five yards to carry but there wasn't like a, a standout that you know it was like 42 rushes 212 yards but it was efficient but it wasn't like one guy did a lot yeah exactly so um but i think throwing the ball they looked really good um justin herbert looked like what he's been billed as you know obviously two picks but um still had a pretty pretty fantastic day with a 13.4 Yards per attempt, five touchdowns. I mean, he only completed ten to twenty-one, so I guess that's bad. But otherwise, I mean, great, great efficiency on the on the uh, yards per attempt. 
It was hard for me to watch this too. It was in the press box. It was on the Pac-12 network. So it was after the USC game. So when I was back in the press box working, it was up there. And I see, I look up, it's 10 nothing, And I'm like, huh. I look at my pick sheet because that's really what I care about, you know. And I'm like, oh, they're favored by, what was it, 33? And they're already <laughs> nothing. So I wrote this one off as I'm not covering this one. And Dave gets another point on me. Uh, but luckily, they, they come back. I think they went 37 unanswered. They punted just twice in the game. Uh, Herbert, you said five. He, he ran for a touchdown, too. So he had six total touchdowns. I'm not even sure why he was playing so much at the end of the game. Like, they left him in a while. Maybe, I don't know, maybe because they started slow. They wanted him to to go. But it was, you know, I think they were efficient running the ball. Uh, they only had uh, 21 minutes of time of possession. So they, you know, could have done a little bit more. But... Um, and they've scored a defensive touchdown, Dave, in the last three games. So this is a, I don't know, it's a, it's a little bit more active Ducks defense. You remember some of the Ducks teams, they just were just awful on defense. It seemed to, you know, teams seem to be a little bit better. Um, it's Bowling Green. Uh, you know, I don't know if they're going to get a good test in the next two weeks before they play Stanford week four. So similar sort of thing to Washington state, but, um, uh, I think they look pretty good. And, um, you know, you have Justin Herbert who, can be a superstar. So I, I think you can be just about anybody. Uh, I think the offensive line played pretty well overall. I think, I think it was pretty good. So I don't know what we're going to learn from these first three games from Oregon. We're going to learn a lot more uh, week four, but for so far, so good for Mario Cristobal. Yep. Uh, all right. So let's move on. So we had them. They were number five for number four. We have USC Trojans. Okay, so that's kind of a hate and ass pick, and obviously these are my picks, so I should justify this. I think the top four, <laughs> you could you could pull them out of a hat. Yeah, Ryan pulled them out of a hat in an entirely different way, and I, I told him just whatever, meld them together, or pick yours. I don't care, and he went with mine. But so I, I would say this one: um, USC beat UNLV forty three twenty one. They let UNLV hang around for a while. Um, if I have one concern about USC from this game. It's probably the rush defense. Um, They allowed UNLV to average 7.2 yards on the ground, uh, which is, uh, that's that's atrocious. That's like UCLA uh, 2017 levels right there. Um, And it's, I I mean, this UNLV offense was expected to be better. Um, It wasn't expected to be the kind of offense that can run the ball and average 7.2 yards per carry against a team as talented as USC. So I I think that's probably a concern for the Trojans. Um, But JT Daniels in his debut, I thought he looked poised. I would say that's probably the big takeaway I had. He didn't do anything to beat USC um, and he looked poised. You know, there were times where he had a rush in his face and he just kind of competently ran out of the pocket and dumped the ball off or threw it away. And, um, you know, he kind of had that, you know, just feel for it where it didn't look too big for him. Um, so I think that was probably a really good sign. Uh, first opener for a guy who left high school a year early and um, looked completely fine. You know, it didn't look like a superstar on his literally first game, but um, looked completely fine. And uh, USC ran the ball well. Um, so I think... All of that was good, but I would say that rush defense was probably my big takeaway from a, you know, from a question mark standpoint after this one. Yeah, I think I think they'll be better. This this, this was a uh, UNLV team that 
they've improved every year. They they won five games last year and they they lost to Howard. They could have made a bowl. I think they'll make a bowl this year. Uh, they have a big running quarterback and a, a scat back who they they were both very effective in this game. They both went over for a hundred yards. Um, one of them was like a fake reverse and 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 you know the uh, Lexington Thomas took it all. I think it was 87 yards or something to the house. So yeah, I, I think there was some concerns there. They, they, they've sacked, um, Armani Rogers five times, but he also broke away for, you know, they didn't keep their contain a lot. And I think, uh, Clay Hilton talked about that today on his conference call a little bit. So we'll see, we'll see how that, uh, does. They also rotated a lot of guys on defense, which they typically haven't done. I liked seeing that. I like seeing a lot of the younger guys get to play. They move guys around like a, gay, a guy like Isaiah Polamau, redshirt freshman, got the first play, first start of his life. He forces a fumble on his very first play. So there were some some interesting things on defense. We'll see. It's going to be different. You know, you, you know what's what's Bryce Love going to do if you give up over 300 yards to UNLV? Um, they kick five field goals. That's obviously not good. Uh, you know, five for five. That's nice for your kicker, but it's bad for, uh, uh, you know, for your offense. Special teams, they were still pretty bad. They gave up a fake punt. Um, they had a nine yard punt and a 20 yard punt. Uh, at the one time, I think they put 10 men out on a PAT. Uh, they did have a couple of good punt returns and they had a, a big kickoff return from Stephen Carr. But for the most part, this, it's like this feast or famine special team stuff that you just can't, you can't do that against good teams. I think it's going to hurt you. But, uh, JT Daniels and Amon St. Brown, two true freshmen. They were the majority of the, uh, the passing offense. Uh, they, I thought they ran the ball pretty well. And Akacedric Ware is a senior. I, I projected him to be like my breakout player. He had 10 carries, 100 yards, and a touchdown. So I like that. Um, that was, I was like, yeah, that was my break. That was my pick. So, so I know what I'm talking about here, people. Uh, some people hated on me because I picked him and didn't pick like Stephen Carr or one of the younger, you know, and it's like, yeah, but Stephen Carr already broke out. Kinda. Yeah, like you know who he is. But I just thought, I think Ware was going to start and he was going to be. You know, he's in the best shape of his life. I just felt he was going to, you know, be the workhorse guy. And, and Carl come in and do some crazy things, but they'll probably go with Ware. And, and he only had 10 carries, but he had 100 yards. So it was like, it was pretty good. But they rotated a lot on defense. They rotated even some of the guys on the offensive line. So that was kind of different than what we've seen before. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it was like, I, I thought it was okay. It wasn't great. They were losing in the second quarter and then they kind of pulled away. So special teams weren't good. They needed The red zone wasn't good. Um, but kind of went the way I thought it would go, Dave. And we both picked this one right. We both took UCLA, uh, UNLV uh, in the points, and we both we, we covered. Yeah, and you know it was nice to see Trayvon Sydney um, get some time out there and, and play well. Um, you know, because he's he's a guy that I think we both probably covered on the seven on seven yeah. circuit for like I, it must have felt like nine years. Um, so. <laughs> You know, watching him go out there and do well was nice. Um, but yeah, this was, uh, you know, I think they're going to probably get better in the red zone um, as JT Daniels gets more comfortable just as a playmaker and, you know, making throws in that kind of tight window area down by the red zone. But um, given all of that, I thought he did really well, um, you know, all things considered. So I think there's a lot to like about USC. Um, I just, yeah, I, I'm I'm interested to see what they do against Pac-12 rushing attacks after you know getting a look see at the rush defense in this one. Yeah, and I think if you you want a concern in the passing game, uh, Tyler Vaughn's and Michael Pittman just didn't seem to be on the same page as JT Daniels. So something was off. He he connected really well with Alon Ross St. Brown, but those other guys, did, you know, they're two top receivers. It just didn't seem to click. So we'll see if that uh, that's gonna have to change because you're gonna need that. You can't just throw it to one guy. So um, and you know Trayvon City was nice to see him. I mean, uh, they kind of he, he kind of did throw it just to one guy, and it was 
it seemed pretty successful. Yeah, it was pretty this, good. <laughs> Amon Ryan State Brown's pretty good. He's I mean, yeah, he's one of the best. Yeah, that I've seen coming out of high school. So <laughs> um, it was funny. Modern. It was like total modern day. Ver- I had some funny modern day versus Bishop Gorman tweets. You know, because you know UNLV had Bishop Gorman's coach, and there's there's players on UNLV from Bishop Gorman, and you know USC's quarterback, top receiver, Bishop Gorman, the five for five kicker, Chase McGrath. Bishop, I mean, I'm sorry, modern day. So like most of their points came from modern day high school uh, in this game. It's kind of funny. UCLA um, started a modern day freshman, uh, Chris Murray at center. Oh, yeah. I remember him. Okay, cool. Uh, let's see. Yeah, USC had a freshman center too because Toa Lobodon was out. And he did pretty well. He didn't. You didn't really notice him snapping, so he did a good job. Uh, our number three team, and this, I don't know if Dave's happy that he put this team here or not, but we're going to talk about it. Arizona State Sun Devils. <laughs> Holy crap, Herm. Holy crap. <laughs> Super Herm. Uh, Arizona State beat the P out of UTSA 49 to 7, a game where they were favored by 18 and a half and they covered it twice. Um, <laughs> this was just an epic beatdown. Um, I don't know if there was a thing that didn't work for ASU in this game. Their defense was really fantastic. Um, Held UTSA, and this is not a typo or a a mispronunciation, they held them to three rushing yards. (laughs) Three. (laughs) Three on 33 carries. That's a lot. That's a lot. Um, obviously there was a lot of sacking in there, but it's just fun to talk about it as just pure rushing yards because that's what college does for us. Um, offensively, ASU was outstanding. Um, they ran the ball really, 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 really well. Uh, Eno Benjamin is everything that Chris Cartman was telling us he was, everything we saw towards the end of last year. Um, and that is a better back than either Kalen Balash or Demario Richard. Um, just electric speed. Uh, he looked phenomenal. Manny Wilkins, this is uh, this is some of the best football he's played. He looks super, super comfortable with this receiving core. Uh, 16 of 24 for 237 yards and four touchdowns. Uh, he he was just on the money. Very, very good. And Nikhil Harry is a freak. Just an absolute freak. Um, they're they're going to put up points on basically everybody this year. Uh, that offense looks really, really sharp, really good. Um, and defensively, they're getting after it. Um, UTSA, we have, I have no idea what to make of that team. I don't think they're going to be great this year, but I'd look out for ASU. Uh, that, that was um, the reason they're so high is because that was probably the biggest jump from what I expected to what it actually resulted with. And spoiler alert, at number three, there are, this is my, but our highest ranked South team um, yes. based on what they looked like because that was probably the best on both sides of the ball that a team looked for me from snap from opening snap to final whistle, uh, this entire week. The, uh, so shout out to Chris Cartman. Uh, I meant to shout out to Angie too, cause I was, you know, give her some love when we were talking about Oregon state, even though she's out of our survival pool, Chris, I'm, I almost want to let you back in, uh, after your pick to UCLA, because I did pick Arizona state to finish last in the conference. But after we had you on for a preview show, everything you said made sense to me. I, you know, it's not like it always does. But it did. And I was like, you know what? He's right about this. He's right about this. He's right about this. Uh, and, and everything you said, you know, Benjamin, 16 carries, 131 yards and a touchdown, um, everything. So I was, you know, buying in. I, like, I didn't think Arizona State was going to finish last anymore. I picked them in the survival pool. Uh, I picked them the cover and I got this one right. So Dave picked UTSA. 
uh, I was in on at least this year that, you know, the Herm effect isn't going to like corrode the team. There, there's so many pieces back there. So it's good. And this team is going to be pretty good. And uh, they were. I got to watch. This was the late game. Got to watch a lot of it. Now, there was a lot of penalties. I think they had six penalties in the first quarter. Um, that uh, I think it was Jalen Harvey got DQ'd for targeting in the second quarter. They finished with like 12 for 100 yards, but uh, they jumped out to a quick 14 nothing lead. I think it was a pick six in there, right? And then slowed down a little bit. Um, and then they kind of started piling it on. They really should have had the shutout. It was a late score by UTSA. They really couldn't do anything. It was just like punt, and then Arizona State gets the ball back. Maybe they score, maybe they don't, but then they're just going to get a punt again. Um, the kill Harry was crazy, a couple of touchdowns, and this is the most lopsided win over an FBS school for Arizona State since 2010. So that's all Herm. All Herb, Dave. I'm in. I'm in. I, w- I wish had, I could pick him again in the survival pool. They had nine sacks. Nine. <laughs> it's like Todd Graham, except that you're not like selling out and giving up, you know, huge plays all the time after if you don't get to the quarterback. What what happened for ASU is what people thought would happen for UCLA with Chip Kelly in year one. Like the defense will just be suddenly really good and the offense will be, you know, pretty good. And ASU got that with Herm Edwards. That's that's mind blowing. Pretty crazy. Um, obviously, it's game one. We don't know. But um, they were, you know, I, I tweeted this out and I halfway believe it. I, I, I could see ASU win in the south and Stanford win in the north. Spoiler alert on our top two. Um, and that would not be a shocker at all at this point. And literally one week ago, I thought ASU had a chance of going like four and eight. Nice. So yeah, cool. When Washington went to the playoff, you thought they were going to win like four games, right? Is that the, or no, that was, that again, the... again, the, the, the long running theme <laughs> of not just this episode, but this entire podcast. In fact, my entire life is I am always wrong. 100% of the time. Except when I say that I am always wrong, then I will be right, and so it's a bit of a one of those one of those conundrums nice. that cause your brain to turn into a pretzel. All right, well, pretzel brain number two, we have Washington Huskies. <laughs> so it, this might read a little bit unfair to Washington fans because they played obviously the best opponent anybody played this weekend and lost a very, very close game in what was truly a road environment. Um, and I think that's completely fair. We could have kept Washington number one. That wouldn't have bothered me. I don't think it would have bothered you. No. They lost 21-16 to Auburn. Um, Auburn scored late to uh, put this one away. Um, Washington hung in there after kind of a really weird opening stretch of this game. Um, it, it felt and you can let me know what you felt about this game, but it felt like Auburn was moving the ball a lot easier than Washington was like Washington was relying on kind of circus catches by the receivers, just kind of crazy stuff happening. Whereas Auburn was getting chunk plays, but Washington's defense um, did a great job of limiting um, Auburn within about the 30 yard line. Um, Every time it got close to the end zone, it seemed like they just were able to shut down what Auburn was trying to do and limit them to field goals. Um, Whereas, you know, Washington was able to pick up the occasional big chunk play. Um, And it just kind of, this was a game and I, 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 I hate to do it after this game because we do it a lot, but this was a game where it was obvious that if Washington just had a guy who had real arm strength, who had real arm talent at quarterback, 
they would have won this one um, because I think their receiving core was there and ready to do it. Um, I think they had the running backs to do it. They had the defense to do it. But Jake Browning made a couple of bad mistakes in this one. Um, wasn't the right guy on that one kind of weird option di- dish they tried to do. Um, and I, I think that was, you know, we, we pegged that as kind of the limiting factor in the preview. And I don't want to be prone to confirmation bias. But that felt like that was the limiting factor in this game. Just they didn't get and it was it wasn't even a bad Jake Browning performance. It was pretty good for him against kind of an elite opponent. He was 18 of 32 for 296 yards, but he had two critical turnovers. Um, One interception that was just, I mean, really bad running to his left, um, just trying to throw a ball down the sideline. And he just doesn't have the arm to do that um, and just kind of fell into the waiting arms of a defender. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. What was your take on all this? Am I being too harsh on Browning in this one? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, I mean, I think there were some deficiencies there for sure. Uh, he might've had like a touchdown saving tackle on that. I think it was that pitch play, right? Where he fumbled. Yeah. And then, uh, he kind of grabbed the ankle of the defender. It looked like he was going to run for a touchdown. So maybe he saved something there, but that, yeah, the interception wasn't good. He was okay. The problem was the whole team in the red zone was awful. And, uh, you know, what even they missed, uh, Auburn missed a couple of field goals. Washington missed one and they also doinked one in off the upright. Um, uh, but then, and you were attempted field goals and you wanted to get, you know, obviously you want to score more touchdowns. It, points were at a premium in this game and mistakes in the red zone are going to hurt you. And I know Chris Peterson was harping on that a little bit in the, the post game, uh, of what was going on there. I think when you look at what are the matchups and what, where is, Washington have an advantage? Are you saying Gus Malzahn or Chris Peterson? Everyone's saying Chris Peterson, but it seemed like it wasn't that kind of advantage. Like they should have been able to figure out ways to make that work uh, in the red zone. And maybe, some, you know, Trey Adams didn't make this one, yeah. the left tackle. He didn't make the trip with a sore back. Um, you know, maybe that had something to do with it, but there were opportunities to win this game, Dave. I mean, you're winning the game late, but, you know, getting a little bit more comfortable lead because it wasn't like Auburn was. Uh, they weren't running the ball that well, right? And uh, you know, for what they they had some chunks, they had some good things, but this was a, there was opportunities there for Washington to kind of take control of this game, and they never really did. And they have enough talent that they should have been able to do that, and they just didn't. Yeah, Washington had a couple of stretches, especially in the second half, where it felt like they were suddenly moving the ball pretty well. I thought Jake Browning had a couple of drives actually where he was like, "Wow, okay, this is this is actually this could be a defining moment for Browning." Um, and I thought he had a, a really good stretch of play there. Um, and Washington looked like the better team for a good long while, um, especially in that second half. Um, I think throughout the game, though, Auburn just especially and this was more in the first half, but they just seemed to have such an easy time moving between the 20s. And I think that's where they racked up a ton of this yardage was just kind of getting the ball into field goal range. Didn't seem to be a problem for them um, to Washington's credit. They were able to shut him down. Um, but yeah, I was maybe expecting something a little bit more innovative, um, from Chris Peterson with kind of nine months to prepare. And maybe we've been spoiled over the years by everything that he's been able to concoct with a little bit of time to prepare. <laughs> but, um, yeah, this, I, I didn't think there was much of that. And, no. you know, I, I, and I think it, but to maybe his point, they were able to play Auburn more or less straight up without their starting left tackle and, you could make an argument they should have won this game. Um, So that's something. Um, It's not obviously what the Pac-12 or Washington would have wanted in this marquee 
opening season game, but I don't think Washington's season is over by any stretch of the imagination. If they rattle off 11 straight at this point, which is doable, um, Washington is still very clearly one of the top two, maybe three teams in the Pac-12. Um, they'll have an argument absolutely for the playoff, if especially if Auburn keeps it up, because Auburn looks like an elite team. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that's completely on the table for Washington. So season not over. Um, I still have some questions about Jake Browning, obviously, um, but a um, lot to like about that defense, a lot to like about the running game, um, and we'll we'll see what it looks like uh, over the next few weeks. 21-16 is reasonable. Uh, if it was like 35-16, maybe they're out, but they're not. So, right, uh, exactly. This, this was a uh, – they were getting one and a half points in this one. I got this one right. Dave got it wrong. I took Auburn. So this was like kind of one of those key ones. Um, then our number one team, Dave. Stanford Cardinal. So Ryan had some consternation with this one. This is the one where it probably requires a little bit more of a kind of a pretzel brain that I come up with at 11 p.m. on a Sunday night. Um, Stanford <laughs> Stanford beat San Diego State 31-10, and it was actually kind of a lackluster start to this game. Um, it was 9-7 Stanford at halftime. Um, San Diego State actually looked like the better team through the first quarter. Um, Bryce Love, I want to say he... he Basically did nothing on the ground. Let me pull this up. Yeah, he had 19, 18, 18 carries, carries 29 for 29 yards, yards um, which is uh, obviously not what you expect from a Heisman contender. But still, Stanford won 31 to 10. When have you ever seen Stanford not finish the year with a very good rushing attack? The yeah. answer is pretty much never. No. So if we take that this rushing attack is probably going to be a lot better than it looked against San Diego State, which we have to more or less take that, look at what else Stanford was able to do in this game. Uh, KJ Costello, once Stanford had to open it up a little bit because they were getting kind of punched in the mouth and Bryce Love wasn't able to do anything on the ground, uh, his connection with that group of extremely large <laughs> and athletic receivers was scary. And I think that should be scary for most of the Pac-12 because I don't know if there's any uh, secondary plus linebackers plus whoever who are going to be able to defend that group super easily. Um, You know, David Shaw is going to have to be encouraged to let them open it up in the pass game a little bit. um, And that might be the limiting factor here. But that pass attack is potentially very dangerous. Um, And defensively, after, again, that opening stretch where San Diego State was able to move the ball a little bit with Jawan Washington, they shut him down. Um, uh, San Diego State finished with uh, 263 total yards, had pretty good averages, but um, a lot of that was skewed by the opening kind of drive where I, I think we almost have to throw that out for basically every Pac-12 team this weekend because if, if we were only judging the Pac-12 by the first quarters they played this week, uh, the Pac-12 should be relegated, yes. maybe to the FCS. <laughs> um, but the the final three quarters of that Stanford's defense looked really sharp. Um, not maybe among their most elite defenses, but very good. And that offense, again, assuming the rushing attack comes around, which we have to expect it will, I think that that offense is going to be among their best that they've had in the Shaw era. Just that receiving group really, really impressed me. J.J. Arcega-Whiteside was great. Uh, Colby Parkinson looks like a matchup nightmare. Uh, Trent Irwin's obviously um, really sure-handed, and Caden Smith obviously gives him a bunch of size there. Um, but our Sega Whiteside is a matchup nightmare. 
Colby Parkinson, six, seven. That's crazy. So, um, I've got Stanford number one after this. I'll accept arguments to the contrary, but I'm just projecting ahead. I think they're going to be really, really good. So here's the issue I had. Well, maybe some of it is because they, they covered and I was mad. Uh, (laughs) so there was a Stanford was favored by 14 and a half. We, we both took San Diego state and we were wrong. This game, and I was like, um, I had to be at USC for like a little event uh, Friday night before the game. This was a Friday night game. So I was kind of watching this as eating my pizza in a pizza parlor uh, across from campus. It was going into halftime, and the score is 7-2 to two, San Diego State. So, yeah, I'm feeling pretty good about the pick, right? Like, you're, like it's 7-2. to two. Uh, I believe Stanford, uh, KJ Costello threw an interception, but then Trent Irwin forced a fumble on the interception, giving the Stanford the ball back. And then they go for a long TV t- touchdown. And it's, I think it was our JJ Arcega Whiteside. And it's nine to seven in the half. So, like, all of a sudden, you, you're down seven to two and you throw a pick. And somehow you go into halftime seven to nine. And then, the, you know, in the second half, they just poured it on. But the, the concern I have is just the, the lack of, of a, a running game. San Diego State really loaded the box, they played a lot of man coverage. And uh, Costello took advantage of them out there. Uh, they only had 50 yards rushing, and that's the fewest in eight seasons for David Shaw. And they're they're only uh, Stanford's two and eight under Shaw when they rush for under 100 yards, and they ran un- rush for under half of that and won convincingly. So maybe that's a good sign. Uh, you got a quarterback, and you know David Shaw didn't want to start him last year for whatever reason. So you know whatever. But I I just had some concerns, Dave. You know they lost to San Diego State last year, so it's nice to get a win, um, but. You know, we'll see. But I, I don't have a problem with it being number one. Like I said, the top four, you could put them in a hat and pick one out. But uh, we went with Stanford number one. Yeah, I mean, honestly, after this week one, you could probably take like eight teams. And I, I if you wanted to put Colorado number one, fine. I don't care. I mean, it's <laughs> it's it's the first game of the season. You don't know exactly what the opponents are yet. I'm projecting that San Diego State's actually going to be pretty good because they have been they under be. Rocky Long and they look pretty good. Like Jawan Washington looks like a good running back maybe not Rashad Penny but he looks really good um and that defense looks like a rocky long defense um so I I think they'll be pretty good I think they'll compete in the Mountain West for the title again um and in that respect I think Stanford's win is going to look pretty good by the end of the year yeah all right well that's our our that's our power rankings like we'll normally go with the uh well we'll see maybe we'll switch it around but um we normally will go with the 24 7 sports uh publisher rankings and we'll all 12 publishers should be in on the rankings now so we'll go through with that and if we disagree we'll we'll disagree probably a lot of the disagreement will be early on than later um now dave we gotta now that it's like three in the morning your time we got a preview <laughs> we gotta so let's do these fast i guess right like yeah yeah give us the we're, we're not good at doing things fast we we say that and it never happens um, but there's a lot of games. There was 12 games to recap, and we got 11 games to preview, starting with Arizona Wildcats. All right, so Arizona is going on the road to Houston at 9 a.m. on ABC. Uh, the line on this game, I have to go to a different site because it's not even on and ready on the site I usually go to. Um, Houston is favored by four and a half points. So that is uh, so obviously already um, 
Arizona is not getting as much respect as they probably would have if they'd looked anywhere near good in the first game. Uh, Houston looked pretty good against Rice. Um, Rice actually hung in there for a while. Um, I was following this game a little bit game tracker wise and flipped it on a couple of times because I'm a sick person. Um, And uh, Houston, I believe, has Kendall Bryles now as their offensive coordinator. So they have... um, you know, that Baylor tree uh, offense going on now that FAU had last year. So Houston's offense might be um, exceptional this year. Um, And that Arizona defense did not look exceptional. Um, It's so tough this early in the year um, because we don't know. Again, we don't know what Arizona's offense might look like in the coming weeks because BYU is such a, you know, kind of a weird game to prep for. Um, But I'm going to go Houston. They looked good enough, um, and I, I'm, I'm having not watched a ton of Houston. I don't know exactly what their offensive scheme is like, but if it's anything like a Baylor system, I'm having nightmares of that Arizona defense trying to defend it. So give me Houston minus four. Yeah, yum, yum, yum. Houston, Houston, Houston. Uh, that's yes. I, I'm not impressed with what Arizona did. They got to they got to show me that they can unleash Khalil Tate. Now, if they unleash him and they you know score 50 on Houston that'd be great but I'm just not seeing that happen yet so I'm gonna go and uh lay the points and take Houston uh at home all right next up uh we have UCLA Bruins all right um the Bruins sacrificial lambs are traveling to um Number seven, Oklahoma. If you heard a catch in my voice, that was me trying to suppress my bile. Um, this is this is on at 10 a.m., so at least it'll be over early on Big Fox. Um, it'll be over early in a lot of ways. Let's just say that. Um, I, we don't have a line on this one yet. Do you want to play predict the line? Oh, God. We don't have – there's no line? No line. This I is think one it's we because, really need a I th- line. I think it's because we don't know whether Wilton Spate will be available. Like that will matter, but we don't know whether Wilton Spade will be available. I predict the line will open at Oklahoma minus. I know the early line was projected at like minus 23 back when people thought, I don't know, a lot of different things about Chip Kelly's offense at UCLA. I predict now after. So Oklahoma looked like the they were the best team I watched the entire week. Um, they and were, I they were in a them. close game, right? They, they they had a close game this weekend. They murdered <laughs> FAU. <laughs> it was like murdered 28 them. to nothing before the kickoff. Oh, <laughs> my God. And I watched a lot of this. I was just kind of um, – it was one of the early games, and I watched way too much of it, and they just looked sick. I mean, Kyler Murray looked – he looked accurate throwing the ball, and that's not what Kyler Murray is supposed to be doing, but he was throwing the ball really, really accurately and well. And then their defense actually looked really good, really good, pursued extremely well, gang tackled, just I, they look sick. They look like they're going to be in the title game this year. Um, UCLA does not look like that. That's not the way UCLA looks. I mean, UCLA looks like they're going to potentially win as few as like a game, maybe two this year. Now, obviously, it might get better than that, but that's how they looked after Cincinnati. Um, so I think Oklahoma is going to ultimately be favored by like minus, it's going to be like minus 32, 33, something like that. Wow. Um, I, I, 
I, I don't know. I, I think UCLA will be better than they looked. I watched the UCLA game over again just before we recorded because I have to write about it. Um, and it was kind of a worst-case scenario offensively. They missed some throws. They missed some opportunities. They missed a pick six defensively. So there was just kind of a scenario where the bounces also weren't going UCLA's way on top of all of the other actual issues. Um, so they'll probably, I mean, they'll probably be a little bit luckier against Oklahoma and maybe a few things go their way. Um, so I don't know. I think Oklahoma wins by four touchdowns. So, okay. Um, all right. I would think the line, I don't think it's going to be that high. I would guess it's like 25. So what if we set the line? So a week ago, they were thinking it was going to be like 23, 24. So you're saying with, with the data we just got that they're not going to adjust it really at all. I know that's just a lot for a, to, to, to put a line of 32 points over a power five, you know, a power five program like that, like UCLA. I you mean know. like, you mean like Ohio state being favored by 39 over Oregon state. All right. So let, let's set our own line. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, but it's Oregon state. It's not UCLA. Right. So if we average, we'll say, okay, so let's say we'll make our own line of 28. Who are okay. you taking? Uh, Oklahoma. I will do the same. Yeah. Um, all right. Yeah. It's, I, I think UCLA is going to play better too, but they did look really, I mean, I think F, FAU is, I think Lane Kiff is a pretty good coach. I think he's going to do some pretty good things, but that was just a boat race. Like, oh, geez, there was nothing going on. So I, I don't think, you know, you you change a lot of things. You get a kind of gruff coach that, you know, you don't get a, a win at home. I don't think your morale is going to be all that great going <laughs> to Norman, you know, so. Yeah, I it could get ugly. We'll see. Maybe yes. they play well. You know, they play they they had a crazy game against Texas AM last year. Maybe they do something similar. I don't know. But I'm not saying they're gonna win, but maybe they keep it close. But I will uh, I would lay those points with Oklahoma. Yeah, absolutely. Next up, Oregon Ducks. All right. So Oregon is uh at eleven AM on the Pac twelve network. Portland State is traveling down to Eugene, uh, number 24, Oregon. I, we don't have new rankings yet, so I'm just listing off old data that doesn't even matter anymore. We also have no line on this game, most likely because it's going to be an extremely high line, and they usually don't set these FCS opponent lines until later in the week. Um, yeah, Oregon's going to blow them out. Um, they just blew out a better team than Portland State, Bowling Green, um, so I think they'll do the same. We're not really going to get much from this. Um, I would take... Oregon by as many as 35 without thinking twice. Yeah, I would agree with you there. I don't know. Let's maybe we'll find out what the line is, but if it's um, let's assume it's 35, we'll just say we pick it's 35 and uh, um, yeah, we'll go 35 and we're taking, we're still taking Oregon. So if the line comes out and it's, it's 45 or something and they only win by 30 or 40, I don't know, whatever, but we'll, we'll try to adjust this as we go. But, you don't want to spend too much time on this. It's FCS school. Oregon's going to to uh, murder them. But we have a more interesting game, Dave, to talk about. We'll both take Oregon in that. Interesting game here. Colorado Buffalo. Suddenly a ton more interesting after this week. Um, so this is at 1230 on ABC. I'm going to be watching the hell out of this one. Uh, Colorado traveling to Lincoln to take on Nebraska. And this is a Nebraska team that had their game canceled in week one. So we still haven't seen what Scott Frost's offense is going to look like at Nebraska, what this new look Cornhuskers team is going to look like. 
But we know what Colorado looks like, and that is dangerous on offense and potentially pretty good on defense. So I think this is going to be really, really interesting. Um, a huge early test for Mike McIntyre and company. Um, Nebraska, the opening line was minus four. It moved to minus four and a half. So let's call it four and a half right now. Nebraska is favored. Um, I'm rolling with the buffs. I think they're legit. Nice. Yeah. We don't the problem is we don't, we haven't seen Nebraska. I have no idea about Nebraska. So I'll go with the team. I know. Yeah. I I think I'm going to agree with you on this one, Dave. I think, uh, Steven Montez spread offense. They've played a game. They look good. This is really the opener uh, for for Nebraska now. Mm-hmm. It is at home. You you know that bad first quarter we saw pretty much every Pac-12 team play. Maybe you're going to see Nebraska do the same thing for a half. Um, I don't just don't know what to expect from Nebraska. If I'm going to get some points here, and I like the way that Colorado was able to score the ball. So even if they lose, I, you feel like they're going to put up some points. I think I'm going to go Colorado on this one, Dave, and uh, and feel pretty good about it. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun regardless. It's always fun watching those games in Nebraska. Uh, you know, the the pageantry is never better no. than it is in Nebraska. So let's go to our next game. We got Washington Huskies. <laughs> okay, so this is a sacrificial lamb game. 2 p.m. on the Pac-12 network, North Dakota, traveling to Washington in Seattle. No line on this one. Washington by a million. Uh, I don't know. I would set the line at, like, Washington minus 38 call it you know they're they sometimes get a little weird against these lower tier schools they probably won't set the line too high um you know if it's like minus 38 washington i might take north dakota but i don't know it's gonna be somewhere in that range yeah washington murder them they're gonna come back and and just murder them so we'll both take washington next utah utes all right utah in kind of a weird situation is traveling to yeah, traveling to Northern Illinois. Um, I think this is kind of maybe due to Utah's issues scheduling non-conference opponents. Sometimes it's tough to get people to want to come to Salt Lake City at elevation. Uh, this is at 4.30 p.m. on uh, ESPN News. Is that what that looks like to you? Interesting. Uh, it's ESPN N, so I'm assuming that's ESPN News. Um, anyway, Utah's yeah. traveling to Northern Illinois. Uh, Utah is favored by 11 points on the road at Northern Illinois. Um, in week one, Northern Illinois lost at Iowa 33 to seven. Um, and Iowa, as far as the big 10 goes, is probably a pretty close approximation of what Utah's Utah is, you know, always kind of a strong defense, kind of a, an offense that can be a little hit or miss. So, uh, if Iowa just beat them 33 to seven, I see no reason why Utah can't completely shut them down. Uh, that Utah defense looks sick. So give me Utah minus 11. I would take Utah probably like minus 18 in this one. Yeah, I would have definitely, I mean, almost to, tw- well, 20 or I'm starting to think about it, but, uh, yeah, that just seems like a low line, you know, I guess cause it's on the road, but Utah looked good. I mean, we thought they were going to be good. I picked them to win the South. Uh, they look good in their opener. I'm going with Utah. Minus 11. Shouldn't be a problem here. Uh, All right. Next up, uh, we have Oregon State Beavers. Can you read off the stupid game? Because it's not uh, loading for me. Oh, yeah. So uh, Oregon State is hosting Southern uh, Utah. It's at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. This is on the Pac-12 Network. 
both teams coming into this one, uh, oh, and one, uh, Southern Utah. Uh, who did they play? N- Northern Alabama and lost 34 to 30. So, uh, there's no line on this game either. My stuff is loaded now. Um, Oregon State, um, again, looked feisty. I think they're more than capable of beating Southern Utah handily. Um, I would take Oregon State up to minus 24. Wow. Okay. I have no idea on. Uh, I have I no idea what Southern yeah. Utah is. I don't even know if that's like a region or if it's a university. I have no idea. Yeah. They're uh, not good. So <laughs> give, me, give me Oregon State. Bold analysis here on the Pac-12 I, podcast. I mean, these are like the just, podcast of champions. This is just, there's some just whack games. And this is like, you know, and plus we're doing it on Sunday. So at least if we had some number that the Vegas would put out, like, um, we don't have that. Uh, okay. But there's, there's not, there's one that game that's not real terrible, Dave. Uh, this one. USC Trojans. Oh, and I get to play two sounds. Stanford Cardinal. The conference opener for the Pac-12 is a doozy. Uh, so this one's on at 5.30 on Big Fox, number 15 USC, as of you know early rankings, versus number 13 Stanford in Stanford. Um, the Cardinal is favored, opened at 4, minus 4, now it's minus 3.5. Uh, might move even a little bit closer to USC as game time approaches. Um, this is a really interesting one to think about because... As we talked about in the recaps, USC's rush defense didn't look great. Um, so from a data perspective, it's going to be interesting if Stanford can get its rushing attack going against USC's defense. Um, I think it's going to be a really, really fun game. Um, I think USC, you know, JT Daniels, a young quarterback, this is going to be his first big real test um because that stanford defense i think is gonna be good um so that's gonna be interesting um and i think you know usc's secondary is gonna get quite a test from that um group of of huge stanford targets um in the past game um stanford's o-line looked a little bit shaky um against uh especially in kind of in run blocking so That'll be interesting against USC's defensive line. Um, I think I will take Stanford minus the three and a half. Um, I think it's going to be, you know, this is, and it's kind of the way it goes with freshman quarterbacks. You know, he looked pretty good against UNLV. I think this is maybe a game where he looks a little bit shakier, maybe throws a couple of picks just because that's what happens with freshmen. Um, and maybe that's enough for Stanford to win this. Stanford's going to be well coached. They won't beat themselves. Um, and I think that'll be enough for them to pull out the win at home. All right. Uh, yeah. So I was a little less impressed with Stanford than you were in my mind. This is a pick them. So I'm going to, and I normally don't pick USC, but you're getting points, uh, field goal. I could see Stanford winning by a field goal or something. And I still win this one. So I'm going to take USC in the three and a half points. Um, I mean, I, I would flip a coin. I, I could see either of these teams winning this game. USC beat them twice last year. Of course, there's no Sam Darnold now. Um, I'm curious to see how Bryce Love does in this one. You know, we saw the USC rush defense give up a bunch of yards. Uh, I, I, I don't know if Stanford's going to be able to run Bryce Love and have the kind of success that they had in the passing game as well. And I'm curious to see if JT Daniels can hook up with uh, 
Michael Pittman and Tyler Vaughn's and how this defense looks. So it really should be, I'm really looking forward to going to it. Not just because I like the, the food in the Stanford press box, which I do, but uh, it should be a fun game to watch. <laughs> if, if Stanford was favored by, th- or if USC was favored by three, I think I'd take the points in Stanford, but USC is getting points. So I'm going to take those. All right. That's the only one we differed on so far. So far. All right. Next up. California Golden Bears. <laughs> All right, they're traveling to the 13th member of the Pac-12, BYU. Uh, this game is on at 7.15 um, on ESPN2, uh, Cal, at BYU. Uh, right now, the line is BYU minus 2.5. Um, so we've seen both of these teams, so it's kind of like uh, the USC-Stanford one in that we have some data on each one. Uh, BYU looked pretty good on the road against Arizona. They looked balanced offensively. Um, certainly a lot better than North Carolina, um, offensively. Um, Cal's defense though is quite a bit better than Arizona's. Um, and yes, this is on the road, but that, that Cal defense I think is good enough to shut down or at least slow down that BYU attack. I don't think BYU has fixed all of its issues overnight. Um, BYU minus two and a half. That's, that's, that seems a little tough for me. I'm going to take Cal. Um, I don't know if to win. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna take those points. But um, I think Cal. Um, I think they're good enough defensively that they should be able to slow down that BYU attack that Arizona had so many issues with. I think Cal's gonna win comfortably. Um, I my gut feeling is watching BYU that a lot of this was on Arizona. Like I, I'm not. I think BYU is gonna be a better team than what they've they we've seen in the past. And you know they got 25 year old guys all over the place. But I just kind of get the feeling that that was a high moment for them. Uh, Cal should figure out some of the offensive problems. They can't throw for 129 yards and beat uh, BYU on the road. But I think they're going to throw throw better. I think they're going to, you know, passing game will be better. Uh, Patrick Laird, the defense was great. I think they'll continue to be great. They're not going to get run over and pushed around by BYU like Arizona did. So I kind of think Cal wins fairly comfortably, like by a touchdown or a little bit more. Cool. Yeah. So we agree on that one, too, although different circumstances. Uh, two more left, this one. Arizona State Sun Devils. <laughs> Another late night game in Tempe, 745. This one should be a lot of fun and maybe instructive about the quality of two different conferences. On ESPN, uh, number 11, Michigan State traveling to Arizona State. As of right now, Michigan State is a seven-point favorite. Um, which seems bonkers given what we just saw. Given what we saw out of both teams week one, Michigan State struggled with Utah State at home. Struggled. It was a real, real struggle, whereas ASU um, blew out their sacrificial lamb at home. Um, I, I think maybe this is the case where, you know, people don't want to overcorrect based off of one game. Um, so I think there's maybe a little bit softness in this line. Um, I think ASU not only covers this, but wins at home and beats Michigan State. 100% agree. So we're probably both wrong. And if you look at, you know, if you rearrange UTSA and add a few letters, you have Utah State. It's like the same team. <laughs> and then and Arizona State blew them out and Michigan State almost lost, right? So what was the score of that game? I mean, it was like they really could have lost that 38, game. 38-31. Yeah. And it was, it was a tie game, um, I think. Utah State might have been ahead late. Yeah, I think so. 
Um, yeah. But I'm on the Herm train, so we're going to Herm it up. And I think, uh, yeah, I think they win. I think they, they win pretty good. So Her- Herm's winning a natty, baby. All right? That's just I don't happening. know about that, but I just... Uh, 15 and 0. Hang a banner. Do it. I like it. All right. Well, some people are higher on Michigan State, so we'll see. But I think Arizona State at home, uh, that place going to be rocking. Like they're going to be, they're fired up after that first game. I think they're going to be fired up for this one, too. So, and then one last one Washington State Cougars. All right. At 8 p.m., the nightcap on the Pac 12 network, San Jose State traveling to Pullman to take on. Washington State. Uh, San Jose State is a 35 and a half point dog in this game. Washington State is favored by 35.5 points. Uh, the reason for that is that San Jose State managed to lose to UC Davis in week one, and Washington State looked a whole hell of a lot better than everyone expected. Um, so that is interesting. I don't know if I'm ready to take Washington State by 35 points over anybody. Um, but San Jose state, they lost to an FCS school. Now UC Davis is a typically pretty good FCS school. Um, you know, they generally churn out a couple of top end guys who end up grad transferring to, you know, FBS level programs every single year. Um, I will take San Jose state plus 35 and a half. Cause that just seems like a whole hell of a lot of points. That's many, 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 many points. And I'm going to still take Washington State to cover. <laughs> one, we just need another different. I don't want to have just one different pick from you for the whole week. And two, they lost <laughs> to Davis. Like, it's, what are they, the Aggies? Like, no, like, that, that was bad. <laughs> so they can't be that good. They're, and Washington State won on the road convincingly. They're going to come home. And if you let, you know, you let your quarterback, Minshew, throw for 57, you know, 57 times. I think he throws for like you know sixty attempts, completes like forty of them, and uh, goes for like six hundred yards in this one. So, yeah, I think Washington State's going to cover. So win by like forty two or something like that. Wow, it's going to be a fun week. Nice, fun week in the Pac twelve. Okay, so those are all our picks. Uh, two of them are different, and I will get all these up on the website. Or well, by the time you listen to this, they will be up on the website. We got to do our survivor pool. I haven't really been thinking about this. Have you thought about who you want yet? Ooh. You know what? This is such a typical me thing. Um, I said to myself this week, you know what? I'm just going to map it out week to week to week to week for the rest of the season. I'm just going to do it now, and then I will just be able to say it. What did I not do, Ryan? You didn't map it out? I did not map it out week to week to week to week. Um, All right. Looking at this. And knowing what I know about the various schedules, I'm going to take Washington State. All right. I'm going to take Oregon State. Ooh. Oh, I'm not ready for that. I'm not You're ready not. to take well, I'm not ready to take Oregon State in a survivor pool for any reason, no matter who they're playing. Okay. I'm well, not yet ready there. <laughs> um well, they have there's this is their home out of conference game. They because they play at Ohio State and at Nevada. I wouldn't pick them there. I don't see my me picking them for any Pac 12 team. So if I'm trying to go undefeated, this is the only week I can pick them. So I'm picking them. 
Yeah, but I'm not. Uh, yeah, I guess I'm just not assuming this is going to go 12 games because these never do. <laughs> no, you're you're probably right, but um, I don't know. I like kind of saving. I would always, always. I'm always a saver. Save it for later. Save it for later. Oh, I think I can get by with Oregon State this week. So we'll see. So I'll email out the the other uh, members that are still alive in the. Um, so if you didn't start it, so any of the publishers that didn't respond, they're obviously out because we can't start them in week two. So only the people that are still left, I will email them and uh, get their thoughts and and put their picks in. Cool, nice. Um, I'm kind of dead. Do you? Do we have any like quick questions, or did you want to do them? Or is do my- our do our do our listeners ever have quick questions? The hell's no, no. Um, we've got one quick text message I can read. Okay. Is this David's worst nightmare? ASU wins in a blowout. UCLA loses to Cincinnati, and Arizona loses to BYU. Karma for an offseason of bashing Herm? Go Devils. No, I'm actually happiest when I am the most wrong. That's actually when I am at my peak performance. Um, so this this weekend, I feel like I'm at the um, absolute peak of my powers. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I was full on. You know, I totally I picked him last. and uh, But I, I bought the Kool-Aid that, that Chris Cartman was selling. So... Um, will they be bad next year? I'm not saying they're going to be great this year, but they're not going to be horrible. Um, they look good, you know. That's, so you're not you're not going on the on the 15 and 0 winning a national title that I am. No, I'm not going, I'm not going that extreme. Just hang but, that banner, baby. Dude, hang I it. picked up week one. You thought I was crazy, like you you know. Look, I'm 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 always willing to revise uh, my predictions because they are literally meaningless, um, except <laughs> to take as advice on what not to do. Gotcha. Well, all right. So, well, the I think the survivor pool. I didn't really expect four people to be out. Uh, so, four of the nine are gone. We'll see how we we move on. I think you know your you people just trying to be too clever. You you you're just trying to be too clever. Just take the obvious wins. Just take them every week. All right. Um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how that goes. But uh, I guess we should go, move on and just get out of here and we'll, we'll try to do more questions because it's, it's really late. It's late here. So it's really late there and uh, we're tired. It's been a long day. It's the middle of <laughs> labor day. It's labor day weekend. And what are we doing? We're working the whole weekend. It's very dumb. We yeah. have a dumb, I mean, it's fine because we, we cover college football and that's fine. Yeah. Someone very I, dumb. I was talking to this, uh, ooh, I forget what it was. Uh, oh, the, one of the, so I do the, the meals on wheels. One of the older ladies I talk to quite a bit. She's, she's great. She's like, Oh, what are you doing for labor day? And I'm like, well, I'm, I'm working. No, you can't work on labor day. Well, that's yeah, no, I have to work on labor day. <laughs> like it's the most busiest of the weekends of college football. And yes, so lots and lots of work, but whatever. Yep. I do have a, uh, a fantasy draft tomorrow, so I'll have a little fun. Hopefully. Yeah. Nothing more fun than a fantasy draft. Yeah. Do you do those at all or no? I actually did. I, I have a college football fantasy team this year. Nice. College football fantasy is very stupid. Yeah. Because that, be hard it, to do. It, unless you limit it to like just a single conference somehow, um, there's just too many teams playing garbage opponents every week. So you could probably just sit there and pick whatever running back is playing this horrendous defense every single week and just play them. So like, whatever running back has 2017 UCLA on the schedule every single week and just <laughs> play that running back. Nice. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, that's David Woods. I'm Ryan Abraham. It's the end of a long day, but we hope you enjoyed this. This was a fun one for me. We got to 
talk about games. We got the preview games, make picks, and I I beat them in picks. So this was a great show for me. I don't know. Hopefully it's okay for you, Dave. I don't know. I think I fell asleep for part of it. <laughs> right in the middle of one of your speeches, you know, like boo, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I, I wouldn't know. It's all it's mostly nonsense. Well, I had fun. Hopefully you had fun, Dave. And hopefully all of our listeners out there had a good time. We do appreciate you uh, listening and writing in and uh, tweeting us and everything. It's a lot of fun for us. So thanks so much. And we will talk to you next time.